Right. Amen. The Word of God is awesome, isn't it, you guys? I thank the Lord for this passage. I thank the Lord for those who uh, helped us read it tonight. And um, I thank the Lord for us receiving it in the name of Jesus. If, if you're here tonight ready to receive the Word, just say amen. Amen. And today, as we are going to take a deeper look at this uh, pericope in Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 40, which specifically highlights the witness and the living testimony that Paul and Silas and others with them displayed in the face of adversity. These were men who were thrown in jail, who were placed in shackles, and it was a very, <clears throat> a very traumatic, traumatic event. Uh, as this young lady that we read was used by people who were basically um, using her and this spiritual gift that she had to prophesy or, or fortune tell, right? Um, when Paul turned around to her to rebuke her in the name of Jesus, the spirit came out of her. And she stopped antagonizing Paul and the Christians by following them, them around and say, basically drawing all this kind of attention to them, mocking them, right? These men are servants of the Most High God. These men are servants of the Most High God. They're telling you how to be saved. She kept saying that over and over again as if to um, really try to embarrass them, shame them bring the wrong kind of attention to them so as to shoo people away and make them seem like they were, you know, uh, sketchy folks or, or crazy or out of their mind. Where in, in actuality, she was the one who was not in her right mind or right spirit. Um, I was contemplating chapter 16. I know we looked, at, we looked at chapter 16 last week and then we skimmed through the whole chapter at, towards the very end, the last 15 minutes, I thought about reviewing um, the second portion of uh, when Paul and those um, who were with him were contemplating doing ministry uh, in the region of Phrygia and Galatia and believing in their heart that God was calling them to do a specific work at a specific place. But when in actuality, the Lord, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, closed that door, and opened up another one in Macedonia. I thought about teaching tonight on what it means to be spirit-led. We, we could have even made some connections to Ezekiel. If you have a pen and you, have, you want to take notes, you can write some of these notes down. Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 17 through 19 speaks of the watchman for God and how you and I can be the type of watchman for the Lord that commit ourselves to night vigil prayers, commit ourselves to praying, um, to asking God to give us the meaning of dreams, visions, and then also being able to see a great move of God and, and, and be able to see it coming before it actually arrives. You guys know what I'm talking about? And the watchman, um, the imagery of a watchman is one who goes up to a high place and the watchman could see whether there were dark clouds coming from afar and they, they could give um, warning 
or they could, if there's a storm coming, or if there were people that were coming to invade at this high place, the watchman could then give word to the people down in the lowlands of what was coming to be. And the spiritual watchmen that are spoken of in the book of Ezekiel is much like what Paul did in Acts chapter 16, when they had this vision of a man in Macedonia that was calling them over to do the work of God in a different place. In other words, sometimes God closes a door for a particular time or a particular reason. And watch this. You are going to confuse yourself. You're going you're gonna to cause yourself all kinds of injurious things trying to figure out God. Trying to figure out why God does things and how God does things will only cause us to lose hair, right? Lose our minds, um, lose peace of mind, and we're still never going to figure out God. God will take a situation that seems like a negative situation and turn it into a good one. The Bible says that he takes the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. How many of you know that? First Corinthians, right? Chapter one, verse 27. He takes the foolish things of the world to, com to confound the wise. In other words, people who are proud and arrogant and think that they're better than others and think that they have all the answers. So God will use something to teach that person. God has used things to teach me when I thought I knew it all. And God said, I'm going to teach you a little something, son. Right? Um, so I thought about looking at that and I said, all right, God, that's great. And then I, I, I thought about going into verses 11 through 15 about Lydia's conversion down in Philippi. She's coming from Thyatira to she went to do business and commerce in Philippi. She runs into Paul and the brothers who are going down by the river to have a time of prayer. And and there she received the message of that Paul was bringing, which was the message of Christ. A message of Messiah, a message of forgiveness and salvation. And the Bible says she was baptized right then and there. So when I see that she received Paul's message, it means that Paul was preaching a message of repentance and probably laid it all out from beginning to end, who Jesus was. And he was preaching the message of Jesus. And that's important to be able to study the importance of the word of God, repentance, and water baptism. And I thought that was a great portion of scripture. But the thing that kept coming back to me over and over and over and over again was the portion of scripture that we just read about Paul and Silas and the brethren that were with them being thrown into jail. And there's a, so many different things that we can learn from this passage. But the thing that I see the Lord highlighting for, for me and that God pressed upon my heart to bring to you today was the importance of patience. Everybody say patience. Patience is the word for today. Patience is the word that God is still teaching us even after a two-year hiatus in the midst of a pandemic. He's still teaching us patience because some of us still have not learned the lessons that we were meant to learn. And others of us are learning the lesson of patience reluctantly. Some of us are learning the lesson of patience because we are stubborn. But we have to repent. 
And we have to ask God to show us what he wants us to learn. Everybody say again, patience. So I want us to look at, in this passage, I'm not going to be focusing so much on the young lady. We're not going to look at why Paul and Silas were thrown into jail. Okay? But we're going to look at the second half of this section, beginning in verse 25. All right? If you don't have your Bible, we're going to put the, the scripture up on the Bible. Uh, excuse me, the scripture up on the wall. And, and you can read along with us there. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns. Hey, praise God. They were having church in, in jail, huh? They were singing hymns to God. And, and the other prisoners were listening to them. So they were listening contently. Uh, intently, excuse me. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came a loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your whole household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. That's odd. Then immediately he and all his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into the house and set a meal before them. And he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. All right. Let's think about this for a moment. Today, we're going to focus on the idea of waiting, the idea of patience. Scripture is chock full of references and stories that talk about patience. But the kind of patience that God is calling us to is very different than simply waiting. Today, what I want to focus on is the kind of patience that is recognized by others. It's the kind of patience that halts you and I from doing something impulsive. The kind of patience that will produce in us a fruit. The kind of patience that will bring about in your life and in my life the reflection of Christ. So it's not just patience for the sake of patience. It's not just patience as a virtue. It's patience so that God can receive the glory in our actions. Isaiah 40, 31 says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Learning to trust in the Lord at the most inconvenient time in your life and in my life has become some of the hardest things to do. 
trusting in God and not taking things into your own hands or taking matters into your own hands is a very, very difficult thing to do. But it's exactly the kind of patience that God wants to bring about in you, not just every now and then, and I'm talking to all of us, God wants us to bring us to the place of of learning to trust in him and depend on him and in him. Patience is one of the fruit of the spirit that Paul talks about in Galatians chapter five, verse 22, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, right? Kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control, the nine fruit of the spirit. But the word patience is what is being highlighted for us here. And the word patience is, it's not even in chapter 16, but patience is the spirit of which this story is going to be highlighted now in Paul's life. You guys, there was an earthquake that broke open the doors and when, they, when, it, when it means that the doors broke open, it means that all the prisoners were there behind the jail doors and they were not necessarily shackled. So they were just all thrown into this, this holding tank. And as soon as the doors opened and in the middle of the night, in the darkness, they had the opportunity to flee. They had the opportunity to take, you know, matters into their own hands and make a dash for the door. They could have just been gone and in the wind. And you know, there are times for us to step in and to take action, aren't there? There are times when the Holy Spirit prompts you to do something that needs to be done. There's an urgency that God's calling you to do. But when we have the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is leading you and guiding you and showing you what is required at that given moment, the discernment that God gives to a Christian, to a believer, is the kind of discernment that is going to help us to make that decision at that particular moment to wait. Because you don't know who's watching And you don't know how your action is going to affect someone. As a matter of fact, most of the time when we're impulsive and when we lack the ability to wait on God for him to take care of a situation, we end up making matters worse. Don't we? We make matters worse. You want to know why? Because we're stuck in our emotions. We, We make matters worse because we end up saying things that are not part of the fruit of the spirit, but they're a fruit of the flesh. And it's a representation of, of the world that is in us that God is trying to remove from our lives. There's another verse in the Old Testament that I really believe helps us to understand also this idea of patience Uh, Look what it says in Ecclesiastes 7, verse 8. It says, better is an end of a thing than its beginning, and the patient in spirit are better than the proud of spirit. The patient of spirit, right? The patient in spirit is better than the proud of spirit. I think about that for a moment. Most of the time, we want to act right away. 
we want to jump up and go and do something without really thinking about the consequences of our actions. It's because of pride. It's because we want to handle the situation the way we want to handle it. We want to teach somebody the lesson that they need to learn. (laughs) Right? When in reality, God wants also for us to keep learning the lessons that he's trying to teach us. And sometimes God will use someone or use something to teach us the lesson that we still had not learned yet about patience. Right? Sometimes we want to take care of something right away because we want to get it out of our hair. We don't want to have to carry it around with us. We don't want it to bring conviction. We don't want it to bother us. You know why it's bothering us, right? Because we just got to say something. We just got to say something and we just got to let them know. And, and you know, we just got to, we just got to put people, you know, in their place and not let this carry on because, man, that's just the flesh. That's, that, that's, we got to, re, we have to come against that in Jesus' name. And we, and we have to remove that spirit of pride that Ecclesiastes 7, 8 is talking about, the proud of spirit. We can be proud of spirit even though we're Christians, we could be proud of spirit. And what that means is, is that Christ wants to bring in us a change, a transformation. And so he's going to keep giving us opportunities after opportunities after opportunities to learn that greater virtue in Christ that he has marked out for you to learn. You know, another way to define patience, it's called long suffering. And the Greek word hupomone or perseverance is another way of thinking about patience. We persevere. That means you push through whatever is bothering you for the sake of Christ. You have to push through it. You have to hold tight. You got to hold your words, hold your water in order so that the greater virtue can come forward. It says, and the patient in spirit are better than the proud of spirit. The patient of spirit. So we have to ask the Lord to give us that spirit of patience. It's not, so it's, it's a gift of the spirit, but it's also, right? It has a spirit of its own. Patience has a spirit of its own. And that's one of the things that the Lord has been teaching me lately. And, and why I think we can all benefit from this passage of Paul and his disciples and his cohort with him who remained in the prison jail even after the doors flew open and they were falsely accused, falsely imprisoned. They were innocent and had no business of even being there. But the Lord had a reason and a purpose for them being in that place, didn't he? It was to change somebody's life for eternity. Not only one person's life, but his whole household. Because as soon as Paul says, don't fall on the sword, don't kill yourself, immediately, Paul's spirit of patience and the spirit of Christ that he displayed at that moment transformed the life of the jailer. 
In other words, Christ showed up at the moment when the Apostle Paul chose to allow God to be at the center of their situation. Are you with me so far, you guys? Proverbs 19.11. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. If not, I'll just, I'm going to read it. Proverbs 19.11 says, a man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. Wow. Man, does that speak right to your heart right now? Don't we live in a culture of offense? Don't we all live in a culture of being justified by our own thoughts, opinions, justified, you know, to do or to speak or to say, to be uh, keyboard warriors on social media, to speak up and try to defend ourselves, you know, in the court of public opinion. But you know what? Christ, the Bible says that he was led like a slant, like a lamb to what? The, to the slaughter. So if Christ is the, the image that we bear, and if Christ is the spirit that is in us, then we daily have to commit our lives to allowing the spirit of Christ to shine through us. That means there's going to be moments when we have to be led like a, a lamb to the slaughter at work, at home. At the grocery store, in a public setting. Not too long ago, there's a situation that came up, and man, I jumped the gun and handled the situation. I made the situation worse because I didn't allow God to take control of the situation and intervene. I didn't. I didn't allow the Lord to show me what He wanted to achieve by doing that, by allowing that situation to be. We want to teach someone a thing or two. So we go and take, handle it. But guess what? Neither do they learn the lesson and, and neither do you. Unless we humble ourselves before the Lord with the spirit of humility and, and patience. Because now the Lord has got his hands tied. He's like, man, I'm trying to do something here. Because we're not being in tune with the spirit of God or what he is doing around us and through our lives. Amen? Amen. The Hebrew word for patience is arak. Everybody say arak. The literal translation for arak is to make one slow. To take one's time. To lengthen out a matter. We live in microwave culture. We want to handle things now. Granted, Jesus did tell Judas, what thou doest, do quickly. But in this situation, there are times when we got to slow, slow things down. Slow the game down a little bit, right? Slow the game down. And we might just see God peek his head into that situation. We'll see what he's doing. Ah, I caught you, Lord. I see what you're doing, Lord. You're at work, Jesus. Father, I see what you're doing. Hallelujah. 
But when we're so stuck on our thing, guess what? We don't see anyone. We don't see anything. We don't learn the virtue. We don't learn the lesson. And God can't get the glory. Proverbs 19.11 says, A man's wisdom gives him patience. So what does that mean? It means the man's, if, if, if we're not displaying patience on a regular basis, it's saying that we're lacking some wisdom. The word of God is putting the mirror in front of ourselves and he's teaching us that we lack wisdom, even though we think we're wise. So if patience is a virtue or is a, a result of wisdom, then we need to ask God to give us greater wisdom. And we need to ask God to continue to show us and teach us and slow us down so that we can see what God is trying to do. I'm going to ask if we can open the doors just completely random because I don't think we have the AC on, do we? So just open the doors and let's get a little airflow. We'll go, we'll, it's getting a little hot up in here. And it's not because of the word. I think we're all receiving the word today. Amen? Amen. We'll get all the doors open, get a little airflow up in here. Thanks, Nano. Thank you. Thank you, Guti. Thank you, Carlos. Thank you, Fabio. Okay, so um, I don't know if I've ever shared, shared this story. You heard it. <clears throat> There's a young lady working at Subway. I was in um, Riverside at Cal Baptist University at my brother Koba's baseball game. This was years ago. And <clears throat> my, my, um, me and some folks were standing in line at the Subway, and we were so focused on the menu as if we don't already have Subway's menu memorized by now, right? We're staring at it, and, and I guess the person in front of us had already gone. And, and the lady um, looking at us, had, I guess it had been like 30 seconds or something like that. She's like, um, are you going to order something? Or are you just going to stand there? <laughs> oh, shoot. I don't even think God was trying to teach her a lesson, really. It was like, this was um, my lesson all by itself. And then I was just like, you know what? You could just stand there and wait till we're ready to order, all right? And we're going to take our time. All right? and, I, and I was justified in my response. I mean, she had an attitude to me, Matt, you know, towards me. You know, you know how they say, you know, the customer is always right. So, you know, I was feeling good about like, and I, you know, I, I said it kind of mean. And I wasn't proud because as soon as I said it, she started crying. She started crying. And she was rude as heck. Don't get me wrong. She was rude as heck. And she said some other stuff I'm not going to say. And so I kind of spoke back and kind of like let her have it. And she started crying and she, she and then her supervisor came over here and, and kind of saw what was going on and excused her. She went to the back and he, he finished the order. And we, we paid our thing. And we're just like, man, can you believe that? Later, I got, the Lord convicted me so, so bad. He's like, what did you do? Like, she's just a teenager. You're not even threatened by a young teenage girl who's there, who's probably just having a bad day. And you just happen to be the, that, that 99th person in line that she served for the day. And, and man, 
I don't. I, I never had a chance to go back and apologize to her. I had to take that to the Lord. I had to, I had to wear that and bear that. But I never forget that story because um, I felt really, really bad that I, I let her have it. And I really didn't need to. Like, what was the point? A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. So when we, when we decide to overlook an offense, even when somebody is in the wrong and you are justified by the wrong or the sin that they have committed towards you, guess what? It's to your glory when you overlook it. And it's to God's glory when we can, like Christ, stand in the midst of whatever situation that you're in and let Jesus, let God get the glory by your actions or your inaction. This is some high level stuff. Are you following me? So in other words, the proverb is true. The slower we are to react to a situation, we actually display who we are. Whether we are a man or a woman of wisdom or we're lacking in that moment. Amen? So, Thank the Lord for opportunities to redeem ourselves, right? Several years later, I was at a Dodger Stadium game. We decided to get there early, and we took our baseball gloves with us because they, we, we, we showed up for batting practice. And during batting practice before the games, you know, all the guys are just hitting home runs into the, into the stands. You ever gone to the left field pavilion at Dodger Stadium or right, right field pavilion? And they're hitting all the home runs before the game. If, you don't, if you've never done that, go to early batting practice. Go to when they open the parking lot, early, early, uh, early outs, they call it. And you can go and get all the balls you want. And I was sitting right there in our, in our bleacher, and we're just waiting. And sure enough, a home run ball was hit. And it was flying. And I was like, all right, it's coming my way. Man, I'm looking around, I'm just like, it's coming right to me. So I stood up, and as soon as I stood up, everybody saw where the ball was going. There was a massive crowd that started to gather around me. And as I was going to catch the ball, I just, I was, what they, in baseball terms, they say you're, you're camped under it. You know, I was just camped right under it, and it was like a can of corn. By the way, do you guys know what it means, what, what a can of corn means? Back in the old days, they used to have to stock all the, the canned foods and all the items really, really high on shelves, and they used to have long poles. And the boys, the errand boys that would run back and forth would grab the stick. They'd knock the, the can of corn off the top shelf, and then they'd catch it. That's called a can of corn. It'd fall right in their lap. So I was right, camped right under the ball, just like a can of corn, and the ball was, was coming right into my glove. And as I went up to catch the ball, Somebody pulled me back, and I, I could feel myself fall myself falling backwards, and, and there was hands and arms all over my body. And as I went back, the ball went into my glove, but when they pulled me back, my whole body just flailed backwards. And when I went backwards, the glove and the ball that was in the glove hit something really, really hard. And the ball bounced out and popped out of my glove. And here I am, a you know, former professional baseball player who just dropped a fly ball. I'm like, what is going on? I was just like, somebody just knocked the ball out of my glove. And me and my buddies was right there. My son and his son were there. And we were like laughing, scratching our head like, dude, that was like, 
you know, you know, it's like once in a lifetime kind of deal. And uh, all of a sudden, we heard this lady cussing somebody out, giving them an earful. We were like, dang, somebody's getting it. I wonder what happened, you know, like, and then we just kind of all like turned around and this lady was crying and she was livid and she was looking right at me and she was cussing me up and down. She was cussing me up and down. I mean, she knew how to use them words. And I was like, I looked at my boy. I was like, she talking to me? He's like, bro, she talking to you. She was like, you. I was like, dang, what did I do? I didn't do anything. And she just like letting me have it. She was crying. She must have been the face that the ball hit. So I went back. Boom, it must have hit her in the face. And she was blaming me for some reason. I don't, I have no, she was just shocked at what had happened. So I, re, I remember the subway incident. And I was like, man, Lord. And, and I know I didn't do much, but she was saying all this stuff. And I was about to turn around and say something back to her and just, you know, like, and I was just like, just gather yourself. Come on, Jesus that's in Joshua. Jesus, that's in Joshua. She went up to the, to the last, she was sitting on the last row of the left, left field pavilion. I think that's really why she was really mad. She was sitting on the last row. I'm kidding. Man, I, I was, I'll be right back, bro. I went up to the top. And her husband was carrying the baby and the baby was crying and she was still crying. I said, hey, I don't know what happened back there. You know, I don't... Did you get hit with something? She goes, yeah, the ball hit me. And I was just like, wow, I have, I'm so sorry that you got hit by that ball. Somebody pulled me down and it must have caused the glove and the ball to hit you right in the face. And I apologize for that happening. You know, would you please forgive me? And the, the dude, he was all tacked out. You know, he's a vato. And he's just like looking at me like that. I said, would you please forgive me? He's just like. She goes, yes. I said, thank you for forgiving me. And he looked at me, he's like, thank you, Holmes. I was like, it's all good, brother. You know, thank God I wasn't a San Francisco Giants fan. You know what I mean? That would have been all bad. That would have been all bad. If you don't know baseball, it's just like, there's a huge rivalry there. But anyway, patience. Patience, patience, patience. The reason why we, we, we dive into the word of God, the reason why we allow the word of God to get into our heart, our mind, our lives, is so that the virtues that are of Christ can be displayed in our actions, can be displayed by how we treat one another. And so that they can be, dis, they can put on display, not just for your, for, for your sake, but for Christ's sake. Because what happens when you display something that is not of this world, it has results that are also not of this world. Let's get back to what we're studying here today. What is the whole point and what is the purpose of what we're talking about here today? The Apostle Paul was in prison for something that he didn't even do. But he chose the route of suffering. He chose the route of integrity. He chose to remain there to save the life of the jailer. 
And because of it, Paul's integrity, his patience, his ability to not act impulsively and to get ahead of God brought kingdom results. The jailer got saved and the Bible says, look, look what it says at 33. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his family were baptized. So that means he went home, gathered his family, told them about what had happened, explained how Paul saved their life by not leaving and rushing out of the jail. You know, it also explains to us that the custom then was that there were people who were fugitives and would be able to escape somewhere somehow. And if they did, it would cost the jailer his life. They would be put to put to death. But Paul acted in such a way that saved the life of the man. And it was Christ in Paul. It wasn't Paul before Christ. You guys remember what Paul was like before Christ had entered into his life? He was killing people himself. He, he was acting selfishly himself. He was act, acting in such a way that wasn't bringing any kind of glory to God, but was bringing harm to people. And now God transformed that. We have to allow the, the transformation of Christ and the spirit of Christ through his word to transform our actions. I know it's hard. I know it's easier said than done, but we can do it. We can do it because the father of lights has given you the ability to do it. He has placed Christ in your life, Christ in my life, and allowed us to show up at that point in time so that we don't jump the gun. So in other words, this whole pericope for us tonight is displaying what and showing us what the importance of our Christian witness is all about. 